please turn your Bible to 1 John chapter 4. Chapter 4 begins the third part of this epistle, um, with the Apostle John continuing to warn Christians against being deceived, and by extension, continuing to encourage all of us in excelling in the things of God. Amen? And uh, he begins by saying in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, firstly, I, Howard Marshall, explains the reality of demonic spirits was not questioned as the various stories of exorcisms in the Gospels and Acts indicate. That is really interesting when you think about the stand that some, you know, churches and Christians take, that, you know, they say, well, there's a God, but there's no devil. You can't have one without the other. Amen? In fact, in his commentary, Thomas F. Johnson says that in the worldview of early Christian and other first century writers, there were many supernatural spirits to contend with, good and evil angels, demonic powers, and a host of invisible beings variously named. Now, we see an excellent example of this in Ephesians chapter 6, obviously, verse 12, when the Apostle Paul writes, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, and the church says they don't exist. <laughs> I want to make a point here because this is really important. Before I move on to the next section, it is important to understand that even though today there are some areas of the church that deny the existence of anything evil, and when you do that, you do something very bad, and that is then you blame God for everything. Are you all with me? See, I've always found that if you deny anything in the Bible, if you deny any truth in the Bible, then you open yourself up for error. And error always leads to God getting the blame. I've found this. It, it leads to you losing out on your blessing. It in some way takes away from you. Even though you think you're doing God a favor. <laughs> and a lot of people, do you know they actually believe that they're doing God and the Bible a favor by denying the existence of the devil? Are you all with me? Now, you're not... What you are doing is, is deceiving people into thinking that God is in control of everything. And they go around saying silly things like, oh, God can do whatever he wants. How many people have heard that one? How many people thought it was the Bible? <laughs> okay. Jesus said, that, you know, that's why we named full life, full life. Jesus said, you know, he began with the thief in John 10.10. 10. He said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God won't let him. Because God is in control of everything. Because God can do whatever he wants. It's not what the rest of the verse says. I really need you to catch a hold of this. Because see, one of the problems that we have is when we deny the existence of the devil. And you know, all of us has ha have had these thoughts. When something goes wrong, you think, well, God, why don't you do something about it? And, you know, why would you let this happen? It's usually our thought. Come on, can we? Okay, take the halos off for a moment. <laughs> okay? We think stuff like that. Somewhere in the depths, oh, we think, what did we do wrong? Now, yeah, that's a good thought to have, okay? <laughs> and if you have that thought, repent immediately. First John 1, 9, if we confess, acknowledge our sin... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all righteousness and get you back out into the light. Out of darkness into the light. Amen? It's just a quick thing to do. 
do it, get out. Always tell people, don't hang around in the darkness. Don't go, oh, woe is me. How did I end up here? All that complaining time, the devil's putting another nail in your coffin. Amen. Let's go back to this again, <laughs> okay? <laughs> I don't want to stray too far. But you really need to acknowledge the presence of the devil, not to worship him, but to be aware of him. You know, even the apostle Peter said, you know, be watchful. In fact, the whole Bible tells us to be careful, to be watchful, be on guard. Why if God's got everything under control? I really want to fight this in your brain right now. Because, okay, we have this weird psychosis that goes on in our brain. Can I tell you what it is? On one hand, we know that there's a devil and we know that things go wrong because he makes it. On the other hand, when something goes wrong with us, we kind of go, oh, why did that happen? And we start mumbling. We know this truth, but the two haven't got married together yet. Are you all with me? And I, I, I tell you, I'm not, you know, exempt from this either. There, there, it's not, you know, there are things when I just look at it and I think, oh man, God, really? And he looks at me and goes, really, back? <laughs> he says, you know. I said, yeah, I know. You know what the problem is? We're lazy. Dun, dun, dun. We want God to do everything. When Genesis said, and let them have dominion. He didn't say, well, I'm going to have dominion. Let them watch. <laughs> okay? You know, we wished that's what it said, but it didn't say that. He said, you do something. You have dominion. I'll back you. The Lord working with them. Confirming his word with signs following. But... Guess what? It need, we need to stand on the word for him to confirm with signs following. For him to work with us. Amen? See, again, we, it comes back to us. And, you know, the church has taught people to be lazy and to push everything off on God. And let's not believe there's a devil because then that takes work now. Because we need to do what the Bible says then and resist the devil. Uh, the first part said, draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Then it says, resist the devil, and he'll free, flee from you. Some people want to resist without drawing nigh. Sweetheart, if you don't draw nigh to God, you're on your own. And the devil will, never mind. Remember the sons of Skiva? Or as the Indian fellow said, the sons of Siva. No. Okay. I still remember that. Dear Lord. I'm thinking, oh, okay, never mind. Must be a different translation. I love stuff like this. Okay. I, it's good to have fun in church. Amen. Amen. Okay. I can do it because I'm that nationality. Okay. If I was, that's why I don't do anybody else. I can, but I won't. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah, okay, I know where to draw a line. All right, secondly, let's move on before I get in too much trouble. But, okay, too late. But you understand, you understand what I'm trying to get across to you, don't you? Okay, we need, the, the early church acknowledged evil. Evil spirits in different forms. And we need to do the same thing. And the Apostle John is saying, the reason, can I, can I just paraphrase a lot of stuff and put stuff in? Without adding to the Bible, okay? He's saying the reason I'm so successful is because I know they exist. 
and I know how to resist them, and I know how to overcome them. Oh, he's going to tell us in, in a couple of verses from this, three verses from here. 1 John 4, 4, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. But we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to it, okay? Don't try to quote it. All right. <laughs> okay. It says, you are God, little children, and have overcome them, is what we're getting to. Okay? So he's giving us a warning, and then he's going to tell us that we've overcome them. All right? But that's, we're not there yet, so don't think about it. All right. Back to the... <laughs> well, you can. Back to this. The word spirit. When the Apostle John says, do not believe every spirit, it means either utterance inspired by the spirit, I'll, I'll explain all this in a minute, or a person inspired by a spirit. Okay? Let, let me go on and... and yeah, let me, let me go on because Colin G. Cruz writes, he says, the important statement here is the ex exhortation not to believe every spirit, since both good and evil exist. Believing every spirit would connote a certain gullibility. Not, listen, not everyone claiming to speak in the name of God, that is, claiming to speak with divine authority under divine inspiration, actually does so. Did you get all that? For this reason, his readers must test the spirits to see whether they are from God. To test the spirit means to evaluate the utterances of such people to see whether they are from God. In other words, you know, just because somebody gets up and says, Thus saith the Lord, and closes their eyes and waves their hand, and puts a quiver in their voice, doesn't mean anything. And speaks in Elizabethan English. I don't know why some people think if you speak in Elizabethan English, it's got to be God. Uh, he doesn't speak Elizabethan English. Unless he talks to Elizabeth, then he probably you know, use her. Like, okay. When he talks to you, it will sound like you. That's what you think. Was that me or was that God? Both. He's talking through you, and you at least you had the sense to listen. Amen. So what he's what he's trying to get across to us is he's saying, listen, just because you might see people on TV under a Christian banner. Let me bring this home now. Okay. And they might be doing all sorts of interesting things. Check it out. Because as much as they say it is written, you also need to know it's also written. Are you all with me? Amen. And family, you know, one of the things that I do, I don't claim to know everything, but I go to people that I believe have a good understanding of the original languages. And that's the reason why I quote things to you. Do you understand? Because somebody once said, oh, don't quote too many things. Why? If they know the right thing, let, let them say it. And in their voice. Amen? No, I don't quote you everything they say. Because not everything they say is right. But, you know, with the Spirit of God's help, you know which bits to take. There are some people out there. Again, you know, let me just bring this out as well without mentioning names. Okay, there are some people out there that aren't that great as Christians. But they, that doesn't mean they don't know how to study well. And they don't know how to bring things out. Don't go check everybody I quote from. They might be stinkers, some of them. I'm just saying. But don't throw away the baby with the bathwater. Do you all know where that saying came from? No, never mind. Do you want me? To? Never mind. Oh, I'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'll just very quickly tell I hope this is the right thing, but this is what somebody told me. Well, apparently, you know, there was a time when people used to just take the, a bath in the same water. And so they would start from the eldest to the youngest. In a family of about 20, 
Okay, you're all getting the picture? The baby would be the last to go and you couldn't see it when you stuck it in the water. You know, so, you know, so anyway, uh, let's stop there. Okay, let, let me continue. Now you know what that means, okay? It was a thing. All right. As an aside, it's interesting to know, another side, that the word used here for test is actually a metallurgist term used for examining and determining the quality, purity, and value of metals. With John MacArthur saying that Christians must test any teaching with a view to approving or disapproving it, rigorously comparing any teaching to the scriptures. Did you get that? We need to test everything according to God's word. If it isn't there, I don't care how famous a person is. I don't care if they say, well, an angel came and told me this. If it doesn't line up with the word... In fact, the Apostle Peter said, you know, he warned people because he was, <laughs> he warned from his weakness. You know, he would, he would just be led by everything that, that was, you know, bright and shiny. And he learned in his latter years, he said, regardless of what you see, we have a more sure word of prophecy pointing to the Bible. And he said, you make sure it's in here, whatever anybody says. Because you don't want some dead grandmother coming to you and saying, oh, don't go after Jesus. It's not right. You know, you get stuff like that. And people, listen, the devil can come in any form. You need to learn to say, get thee behind me, Satan. You're an offense to God. Amen. I'm giving you some real examples here. I'm, I'm being, trying to be careful not to tread on toes, but you know, you need to know not everything that appears. Remember, I think it's in Corinthians, it says even the devil will come as an angel. As an angel of light. You know, he, he, don't just get moved by what you see. That's why it says we, are, we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen? And the apostle John is trying to tell us something I'm, I'm, I'm taking you a step further if you haven't noticed. Don't just not believe, you know, um, test everything in the natural and the spiritual. Amen? Whether it's somebody getting up and saying, thus saith the Lord, or whether something appears in your room and contradicts the word of God. Amen? Do you understand now when he says, test the spirits? You make sure that whatever thoughts are being placed in your head that you're going to start mulling over isn't going to take you down the road of destruction. Amen. Because can I tell you, it will start eroding your faith. They're all here to do one thing. Do you know that? Do you know everything the devil does? I have one word. is distraction. It tries to, he's always trying to take your focus away from what is important. From the thing that God told you to do, he will try to distract you every single moment of every single day. I gave you examples last week. <laughs> I said that, you know, every time you start to pray or do something for God, I will guarantee you. See, I'll write, a guarantee, I'll write and, and sign it. I'll guarantee you, you will start to remember things that suddenly need to be done immediately that you cannot possibly leave a moment longer. Whereas before you went into prayer, 
all that stuff still needed to be done, but you didn't care. Now suddenly you care. Doesn't that tell us anything? You know, the, you know what the temptation is? Not to yield to it. Can I give you some incredible advice? Are you all ready? Listen to me. When you go into prayer, take in a notebook. Oh, I thought you shouldn't take lists for God. No, no, that's not what the notebook is for. It's not your list for God. It's everything you remember that you had to do, write them down. Because I'll guarantee you something else. When you leave the prayer room, you'll forget all the things you had to do. I will guarantee you, you might have six things and you might remember one out of the six that you just had to do while you were praying. <laughs> From somebody that's been there, take some advice. Take a notebook. When you think of those things, write them down. And then take it back out with you. <laughs> okay, don't leave it there for when you come back in and go, oh my gosh, and then, then now you've got a bigger problem. Now you've got those six things plus the next six things. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Take it with you. Get it done. And can I say this? You pray and say, God, I'm giving this time to you so you maximize my time. You help me get these things done quicker than I could have ever done on my own. Are you seeing this? You're rolling your care over on God. You're allowing to help you now. He will never penalize you for seeking out time with him. You will never be penalized for that. Say amen. Okay. Because the problem we always have is I don't have time. Somebody wrote a book and said, you don't have time not to pray. Is that right? Is that too negative? Did, you, did I say that right? Okay. I think so. Okay. Me too. Okay. Whatever. I'll edit it out if it was wrong. Okay. <laughs> Listen, the thing that you don't have time for is not to pray. You always find time to pray. Find it somewhere. Even if it's a minute or two, it will make more time. It's a funny thing about prayer. Every time you pray, it gives you more time. Every time you say no, you lose time. Things take longer than they should. Anyway, that's what I'm preaching today. All right, back to this. Well, it is, you know. We're talking about the devil. We're talking about acknowledging his presence. And we're talking about not getting distracted by him. Amen? You test everything that comes your way. All right. <clears throat> Remember again that the Apostle John learned all, uh, about all this from Jesus himself. He had given them several warnings in this regard, especially in the Sermon on the Mount. When he, where he clearly said, and looking at Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15, he said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. There's a lot in this verse. I'm not here to preach this verse, but let me just share some things with you. Notice the first thing. He says, Beware of what? False prophets. What do prophets do? They claim to prophesy from God. And usually over you. Listen, they claim to speak in the name of God. You know, that's what they did burning witches and stuff at one point. They did it in the name of God and the church got a black eye for it. Are you all with me? Just because stupid people did stupid things doesn't mean God was bad. Listen to me. The devil used the name of God. To blemish God and to push his agenda. Because who wants to follow a God that burns people? Are you all with me? And the whole world started, you know, just turn away from the church because they said, you know, they're hypocrites. 
And there's no love there whatsoever. And a lot of things started to happen because we didn't do what the Apostle John said. We didn't test everything. Amen. I'm, I'm trying to give you things here. Now, the second thing he said, he said was, first he said, beware of false prophets. Notice who come to you in sheep's clothing. Do you understand a sheep is a Christian? In this analogy, okay? They'll come to you looking like a believer. That's why you believe them. Because they're meant to be believers. Amen. And that's why, be, see, be careful people want to sell you cars and whatever. Come to my business. I'm a Christian. Don't go. If they said it like that, don't go. Because now they're pushing their business in the name of God. You need to buy my car. And I can rip you off whatever I want. Because, well, brother, we need to look after the brethren. Funny, it doesn't work the other way. You have to pay exorbitant prices. They don't get to give it to you for nothing. If anybody ever pulls that one on you, say, oh, good, you're going to give me a car? Oh, no, no, don't come to my dealership. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> okay? Hey, listen, it works both ways. The reason I'm saying this to you is because this, working, this used to happen in the ministry itself. Pastors would get up and say, well, the Lord needs you guys to work now. I'm going to play golf. But all of you need, okay? You all need to come and clean the church. And, you know, they do stuff like that. And they say, brother, I think you should lead praise and worship. Because you have a great voice and blah, 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 blah. Thus saith the Lord. And you go, oh, it's God. And see, this is a sad thing. That Christians are looking to serve God. And what they are believing is that God is actually speaking through the minister. And that if they say no to the minister, they're saying no to God. And so people use the name of God. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Are you getting where I'm coming from now? To get things done and to do things that God had nothing to do with. And then people get burnt out by the church. And, and then they don't want to follow God because we don't want to get burnt out. Because it seems like God is burning a lot of Christians out. Get it? Notice, but inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. They care nothing for you. They just want to see what they can get from you. Amen? And of course, Jesus did go on to show us and identify them by saying in the very next verse, I love Matthew 7, 16. He says, you will know them by their fruit. Did I tell you it was Matthew 7, 15 before? Oh, I didn't. I'm so sorry. It was Matthew 7, 15, and now it's Matthew 7, 16. Oh, you did. Oh, I did. Yeah, some people were listening. Okay, no, I'm kidding. All right. <laughs> Notice he says, you will know them by their fruit. Listen to me. No matter what people claim, their life will bear fruit of a certain fashion. And you will know them by not what they claim to say. See, this is a big thing as well. Because remember people would come and say to Jesus, we did all of this stuff in your name. Everybody believes that. Everybody believes that those people actually did things in his name because they claim to have. When Jesus said, I don't know you. And so people freak out thinking that, you can do all these things in his name. Turn up in heaven. And he goes, I don't know you. Who are you again? Check the roll. I don't think this guy's on it. 
See if there's one on the row. No, no, no. That, no, that you're there. Okay. <laughs> okay. Listen. You need to get this. They speak lies. They've, they, they did that on you and got away with it. They think they can do it with God and get away with it. Except God looks at them and says, no, you didn't. The short version of that is Jesus said, you didn't do anything you said. You lied about everything. And if you did anything in my name, it was to get your own way. It wasn't for me, it was for you. You all with me? Okay. And so he says, you will know them by their fruit. They will never bear any fruit. These people won't bear godly fruit. Be careful when you see people that are always being attacked by the devil. All the time with no victories. You will know them by their fruit. Check it out. Maybe there's a problem there. Amen. Now, there might be a very backslidden Christian and very bad teaching and all the rest of it. Don't go find devils under every bush now either. Okay, please don't do that. Okay, we are not to judge, but I'm saying be aware. Don't just take. See, some people do that to get you on their side so that you are praying for them all the time. They don't have to do anything. You have to do everything. Because you feel sorry for them, you understand. And they think they can live any kind of life they want, but you're praying for them so you're safe. Oh, they're safe. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. Be aware of things like this. I'm giving you some wisdom. In other words, this is one of those things that they just can't hide. Regardless of what they may claim, I've said here, what Christianese phrases they use, like, praise the Lord, or God bless you, etc. Okay. They can't hide their fruit. Amen? <clears throat> Even the Apostle Peter picked up on this and said in, uh, in his epistle, 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. 2 Peter 2, 1, he says, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. Notice the end of these individuals. It's destruction and it's swift. Don't be around them. Okay? Don't hang with people like this. If you feel a negativity in your spirit about something, please listen to it. That's the Holy Spirit jumping up and down on the inside trying to tell you, be careful. Something is wrong with this person. All right. <clears throat> For our part, it's up to us to remain alert, test the spirits, and not allow anyone to deceive us. Remember again that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 and 5, he said, take heed that no one deceives you. Take heed, this is Matthew 24, 4, take heed that no one deceive you. He's saying, be careful that you do not get deceived. He wouldn't ever say that if there wasn't a possibility where we're going to get deceived. He is talking to his disciples, by the way. Are you getting it? So I'm telling you, be careful. Take heed that no one deceives you. Watch verse 5. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. He lets us know that people will be deceived by these people. But he says, don't you be deceived. Amen? He's saying, I'm letting you know so that you won't be deceived. I'm doing the same thing for you. Hallelujah. I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I, you know, I would love to get up here and, and, and speak to you about moving mountains and doing all that stuff. But this stuff is important. 
Because if you don't know these things, it will erode away at your faith and those mountains will stand there and just look back at you. You're here. Amen. Whatever problems you're facing in your life, you sometimes need to... One of the things I'm letting you know here is check up on your theology. Check up. If there is something not working in your life, go and check why that's not working. I will guarantee you behind every thought that you have, there is a Bible verse that has been misinterpreted that is getting you into trouble. If you're failing at something and you've got a certain thought about it, somebody taught you something wrong. Go and fix that thought and everything will start to work. Are you all with me? Amen? All right. Deception is one of the devil's greatest weapons. And why even the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5, 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. Again, deception comes up. Now, there's, he goes on, but do you understand? Even the Apostle Paul is saying, don't let people deceive you. Watch what they're saying. Amen? It is obvious from all this that there were those who were beginning to believe these false prophets and teachers who insisted that their teachings were a revelation from the Holy Spirit. And why the Apostle John says, test the spirits so that we can distinguish between the false and the true. Or more accurately, the truth. Amen? Amen. Returning to 1 John 4.1. Let me just finish this verse. Notice again how the Apostle John ends this verse. He says there are many false prophets have gone out into the world. That's uh, 1 John 4.1 again. Notice he says many false prophets have gone into the world. I love what Simon J. Kistemarker says. He says false teachers have made the world their lecture hall. Isn't that brilliant? See, they are out to deceive the masses. And they will preach to people in every way that they can. On the news, TV, in the classrooms, on the internet, doesn't matter. They will change books. They will change all sorts of things to suit themselves. And get people believing that's the way it is. And get them thinking that the truth is some kooky person out there saying, oh, we believe in creation. Oh, that stuff isn't scientific, yada, yada, yada. We know that we came from apes and some little soup down in the ground that miraculously came together. Miraculously. Came together. Get that? Okay. We don't know where the soup came from to begin with. Let's not talk about that. Because, you know, somebody had to make it, but we don't want to talk about the person that made the first thing. We just want to believe it was there. Somebody said it takes more faith to be, an, you know, to be one of those people than to be a Christian. At least we believe somebody existed. And they say, well, how do you know he existed? We'll find out when we get there. Our brain isn't big enough right now. That's trying to teach, a, teach an ant how to be an astronaut. It's like, no, thank you. I got enough problems on my own. Storing stuff for winter. No, okay, you know. <laughs> are you all with me? There are some things we'll find out when we get to heaven. We will find out, by the way. You don't need to know. Just know that he, he's there. See, that doesn't take a lot of faith in that sense. That's why in Hebrews it says, whoever comes to God must believe that he is. Get it? That he exists. And that he is a rewarder of those that diligent. Isn't it beautiful that it says once you know he exists, if you acknowledge his existence, he will reward you. He will bless you straight away. Wow, I think that's great news. 
Anyway, back to this. The, uh, <clears throat> in fact, Jesus went as far as to say in Matthew 24, 24, in his discourse on end times, and we looked at this before as well. Matthew chapter 24, this time in verse 24, he says, For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Can you see that? That's a little scary, really, when you look at it, that even the elect will be deceived if, they don't be, if they're not careful. Amen. Of course, it's only possible if you are deceived. And to make sure that we are not, the Apostle John is now going to give us a sure way of finding out who is of God and who is of the devil in the next two verses. And now let me read them and conclude here. When he says, he says, by this, I'm reading in 1 John 4, 2 now. He says, by this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Verse 3, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Amen. All right, we're going to talk about that and pull that apart next time. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. And we thank you, Father, for all the wisdom, the revelation, and the insight that you're giving us. I thank you, Father.